This podcast is a presentation of UCTV.TV, University of California Television. Like what you learn? Help others discover UCTV podcasts by leaving a comment or rating in iTunes. All right, so our objectives today are to um, basically recognize injuries, um, evaluate injuries, and then do some upper extremity splinting, some lower extremity splinting, some traction splinting, um, and then we'll do some evacuation techniques. What we're not going to cover today are pelvic fractures, spinal fractures, and open fractures. Um, and we're also going to talk a little bit um, in our small groups about shoulder reductions. All right, so uh, this wouldn't be possible without um, a lot of our volunteers that came here today, including some of our residents and residents from Highland. Um, this is Brian Chang, who will be, uh, I believe, leading one of the uh, upper extremity splinting sections. Um, an excellent climber, uh, knows the Sierras like the back of his hand. We also have Gabe Westermeyer, who also has a ton of outdoor wilderness experience, um, has his, uh, I believe, his Wolfer and a wilderness EMT as well, um, and is a great resource to have uh, with us today. We also have uh, Graham, who is a future uh, wilderness fellow in Utah, in Highland resident right now. Um, we're also very lucky to have him. And Rosney Daniels, probably the biggest renaissance man I know and chief of uh, our uh, residency program here at UCSF. Uh, and finally, uh, William White, expert at wilderness evacuation and buddy pooping techniques. <laughs> All right. And finally, myself. Um, uh, you know, I have much less experience than a lot of these guys, uh, but I look forward to you know learning here myself and spending more time in the Sierras. All right. So, why do we always talk about splinting in wilderness medicine courses? Um, and it's because essentially. The human body is just a bunch of bones held together by pulleys and levers that allows us to be mobile and interact with our environment. And without these, we're basically helpless um, and have no ability to get ourselves out of sticky situations. And we always have that clumsy friend that injures themselves. Um, and so when we're out in the wilderness and we're in a situation where someone does have a broken bone, we need to know how to handle that so that we can get out of that situation. All right. So now we're going to, sorry to start with the gruesome stuff. Um, so now we're going to talk about some of the general types of injuries that um, we see. Um, broken bones kind of break down into several categories. They're simple versus comminuted. Comminuted just means uh, basically that you sustained more force and there's more structural damage to the bone. Um, then we're going to talk about closed and open. So an open fracture means essentially what you see here. A lot of times it's less subtle, um, and a closed fracture can actually become an open fracture if we aren't careful about uh, examining things like tinting of the skin and looking for skin necrosis, which we'll get into as well a little bit. Um, and then finally, we'll talk a little bit about dislocations. But the main principle about dislocations in the wilderness is if someone's not a chronic dislocator, meaning they've dislocated many times, um, it's probably better just to sling them and swath them and extricate them versus actually reduce it in the field. Um, but in our small groups, we'll go over some reduction techniques in case you're in a situation where it's appropriate. All right, so in terms of evaluating injuries, has anyone like had any ATLS experience or, or been uh, an EMT in the crowd? So you know what the ABCs are. Essentially, it's just addressing the most uh, prescient issues first. So airway, breathing, and circulation. Make sure the patient's got an airway, make sure they're breathing, and make sure they're not exsanguinating. Um, then, you know, we can start to look at the extremities and assess those injuries. Um, and so when we are uh, assessing a uh, fracture or a dislocation, um, typically the first thing that I'll do is check a pulse. Um, 
typical places to check pulses are going to be the radial pulse, which is in the wrist, and we'll go over that, and the dorsalis pedis pulse and the posterior tibialis pulse. They're the most uh, accessible distal pulses that we have to assess. And then we can assess motor function, um, and we'll go over that as well in both our upper extremity and lower extremity uh, courses or uh, stations. And then finally, um, you know, we will reduce um, fractures and dislocations only if necessary um, or safe. And what that means is if there is vascular compromise, meaning you do not feel a distal pulse or someone does have some motor issues or some sensory issues, that's when you're, start to, you're going to start to consider reducing a fracture or a dislocation in a wilderness setting. And then um, four, we're going to learn how to splint, sling, and immobilize. So this is essentially an improvisation to get someone out of a sticky situation, um, not only to reduce pain, but also to improve mobility. And then finally, uh, if you are in a situation where you're going to be in the wilderness for a while or it's a lengthy extrication, you want to elevate limbs and monitor for things like compartment syndrome, um, which, again, we can talk about in our small groups, but won't have time for now. And then finally, we're going to teach you how to evacuate. Um, so they threw in a few, few cases in this slide. Um, this is an example of someone who was backcountry skiing at Donner Summit um, and was hit by a rock in the arm, just some, a random falling rock. Um, and now he has some pain and an obvious deformity in his right arm. So what do we do? Just shout it out. ABCs, exactly. So we make sure we're in a safe situation, all right? And then once we're in a safe situation, we can do things like evaluate the pulse, um, evaluate the motor function, um, take a look at the wound itself. So you were right, ABCs, then we'll check the pulses, check the motor sensation um, in the hand. And again, we'll go over this in our small groups, but basically it breaks down into ulnar, radial, and medial distribution. But again, that's a little more advanced, and we can talk about that um, later. Um, so reduce if necessary, and then uh, splint, sling, swath, and evacuate. Um, now, if we change the situation and we have the same fracture, but this person has no, uh, no distal pulse, what do we do now? We have to reduce it, right? In the prior situation, we wouldn't actually reduce it. We'd just sling and swath. Um, in this situation, you would have to reduce it, right? Because that's now a critical limb, potentially a critical limb compromising injury. Um, and to do reductions in the field, um, it's a tricky thing. You don't have x-rays to guide you. Um, but the principle is simply firm, steady traction. And you want to get the person in a position where they're going to be able to appropriately apply counter traction, meaning if you start pulling someone's arm and it hurts really bad, they're going to go with it. Um, so you have to be in a situation where either you have someone else or you tie them to a tree or you get them immobilized so that you can reduce that limb. Um, we can talk a little bit about that as well in terms of uh, specific techniques uh, when we get in our smaller groups. And then uh, stabilize once realigned. Um, this is really important. So you should already be set up for this um, before you start to reduce it. So have everything ready to go and have someone helping you out if you, if you can. Um, because typically, if you get it aligned, it's not going to stay there. Um, so you don't want to lose that and have to do it all over again um, because basically it's pretty, pretty painful. Um, next is splinting. So why do we splint? And splinting is basically to immobilize a joint um, above and below the fracture so that we can establish stability in the fracture site. Um, that stability is probably the best um, way we have of providing analgesia, especially in the wilderness where we don't have access to things like morphine, Dilaudid, or whatever it may be. 
Um, so getting that thing immobilized is going to be the m- most important thing for pain control. And then if it's an upper extremity wound, it's going to make a big difference in mobilization in terms of their ability to walk and get out because walking will jostle that wound. And also if it's a lower extremity fracture, um, you can also potentially get them to, to self-extricate, which is huge when you're in a, a, a backcountry situation. So in terms of like principles of splinting, first you want to place the limb in a position of comfort. Um, you want to make sure you have adequate padding. You want to keep the distal part of the, the injured extremity out so that you can do frequent assessments. Um, you want to be able to tell if that hand's turning purple, if your splint is too tight, if the vascular flow is compromised. And you want to check every now and then, I would say probably every 30 minutes, um, whether or not they still have sensation and motor function in that distal extremity. Um, and then here it's mentioned be careful of overzealous wrapping um, because you will always have swelling in that fracture site and something that's loose initially could certainly tighten up and cause some, um, some constriction. So examples of stuff that we're going to have with us, we have it all here, um, but these are some of the typical things that you're going to have to work with. Um, you know, the first principle, I think, of wilderness splinting in these situations is to keep a cool head um, and to like, stay calm in any situation. And the skills are like maybe the second layer. Um, and hopefully we're going to be able to teach you a few of the skills today. But it's the principles, I think, that you come away with that are most important. Um, so if we start simple, buddy taping um, is an example of stabilization. You use a functional or a sturdy digit to stabilize the one adjacent to it. Um, you use two points. Um, and the idea is that you splint above and below the area of instability in the finger. Um, and this, this concept goes th- uh, carries out throughout um, all the splinting that you'll do in the upper extremity. This is an example of uh, an ulnar gutter. It's called that because it's kind of shaped like a gutter, and it goes on the ulnar side or the pinky side of the forearm. Um, this is very good for wrist fractures. So anytime someone has a, like what we call a fouche or a fall onto an outstretched hand um, and an injury in the wrist, this is an excellent stabilizing splint. Um, for the upper extremity. And then this is the uh, thumb spica, which again is um, more of a wrist splint, but also functions for thumb fractures and uh, forearm fractures. Um, If it is a forearm fracture, you definitely want to have it extend up, um, further up the forearm, um, but similar concept to the ulnar gutter. And then here we have the the volar... um, Slab, which uh, is another fantastic splint for the wrist and forearm. Um, again, you want it to extend sufficiently up to get some good stabilization there. And what you're seeing here, just the splints, but um, what you want to do is find something, whether it's a shirt or um, a pair of pants or whatever it may be, a tent, uh, uh, a sheet to uh, secure that in place and make sure that, that the arm is secure. Um, sugar tongs another example of uh, a useful splint for a uh, forearm fracture. And again, this is using some pre-made materials. You're going to be regenerating these concepts using whatever you have available to you. Um, and then uh, finally, uh, when you do splint a wrist or a hand, uh, it's important to have it in a position of uh, comfort and function. Um, this is, you know, kind of broken down into, uh, you know, degrees of the hand and sort of the, the position it should be in. But essentially, the way I think about it is it's kind of the position of the hand would be if it was holding a beer can. Um, and that's a good way to kind of visualize how you're going to splint um, someone's hand in a position of comfort. 
Um, so when we move up the arm to like a humerus or a shoulder splint, the same concepts kind of, kind of go in. You want to immobilize above the shoulder uh, if you have a humerus fracture so that you kind of are covering the joint above and then the joint below the elbow. And you can see that's done there. Um, the sling and the swath, this is really important for extrication. Um, so getting someone's limb immobilized as best as possible. Typically in the emergency department, we'll just sling somebody um, and send them out um, if they've had a shoulder dislocation or if they have a fracture in the arm or the forearm. Uh, but in the wilderness situation uh, where you're like trying to get away from somewhere, it's uh, important to throw the swath on as well, and we'll go over how to do that. Um, but that ties the arm down and keeps it from moving around a lot. Um, all right, next case. So you have a 20-year-old mountain biking near dusk when he goes over the handlebars and lands on his left ankle. You see the following. Um, it doesn't come in the box, and there's no tape, um, and there's no carpet. But you've got to figure out what to do with this thing. So we'll go over exactly what to do. You assess it, check pulses, obviously go through kind of what we talked about before, ABCs, um, and then we can get into the lower extremity splinting. Same concepts. This is basically a sugar tongue um, on the left, uh, but for a leg. Um, and what you're doing is you're immobilizing at the ankle joint, the knee joint, um, and uh, it looks like it goes actually a little bit higher, but that would be a fantastic tib-fib uh, fracture um, splint. And then there's also a posterior uh, slab splint, which is going to be a little bit difficult with the materials you have available to you in the wilderness, typically. So how do you get out of this sticky situation? We're going to cover backpack carries, three-person wheelbarrow. Um, we're also going to talk about how to use ski poles, tent poles, um, oars, and various other things. Um, and using all of these materials here, how to come up with uh, creative ways to get yourself and your buddy um, out of a sticky situation. Um, so when it comes to evacuation techniques, you want to be really thoughtful about your approach um, because if you're not, you could put yourself in more danger, put your uh, friends or colleagues in more danger, um, and potentially put the people trying to rescue, rescue you in more danger as well. Um, so um, how do we get out? And again, I don't want to go into too much detail here because looking at slides is not nearly as informative as actually doing it. Um, but these are some examples of how you're going to um, practice getting people out of this classroom. Three-person wheelbarrow. Um, sorry, we'll talk about the backpack carry. Three-person wheelbarrow. Um, and looks like we're back to some of our improvisational splints and litters. All right, and then finally, um, we're going to cover traction splinting. Um, so this is for femur fractures, which are extremely dangerous. Um, so the strongest and longest bone in the body. Um, it also happens to be in an area that's highly vascular. So you can end up putting about two liters of blood into your leg, which is a lot. That's, um, you have about five in your circulating system. Um, so um, things you need to look out for. Definitely check the, check the distal pulse. If you see an expanding hematoma or if someone is um, pulseless in that distal extremity, um, this is a, a, a reduction that you're going to have to do, um, potentially uh, in the wilderness. And it's extremely painful. It's uh, very harrowing, and hopefully you're never in that situation. Um, but we're going to teach you how to do it um, using simple things like ski poles, duct tape, um, and whatever we have down here in this station. Um, the basic concepts are that you are creating a device that will be able to pull 
consistent, persistent traction on the foot um, while providing stabilization at the groin and the hip or even the armpit so that you have a point of counter traction. Um, So thank you very much, guys, and enjoy. You've been listening to a podcast by University of California Television. For more information about this program or UCTV, visit us online at uctv.tv.